Again, maturity is not saying, hey, I got it all figured out. Maturity is like, man, I want to go. I want to go for him. The mature in Christ long for growth. The mature in Christ believe in sacrifice. The mature in Christ believe in wholehearted worship. The mature in Christ are just that. They are mature. They are growing up. So here's one of the bottom lines for this series and one of the bottom lines for this whole year. Ready? It's time to grow up. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're so thankful that you've joined us for today's broadcast, and you've joined us at a great time. We've just started a brand new series entitled One Thing, about the passionate pursuit of God. And we're going to be talking more about that in just a moment. But just a reminder for you listeners, if you'd like to get a hold of Live in the Light and maybe order a copy of today's message or get the entire series in advance, you can visit us online at Live in the Light. That's L-I-G-H-D. Or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Well, today's message in the One Thing series we're in takes us to Philippians chapter 3 and a favorite verse of both of ours. Right, Robbie? Love this text. Love this text, Craig. It kind of summarizes the Christian life and the Christian walk. And I'm praying right now as you are listening to this, you might find yourself in a place of discouragement, maybe frustration, maybe you've been dealing with some anger issues in some ways, or just flat out just trying to find some energy. This is the text that can renew our minds to why we live and who we live in. And again, the goal, the goal of what is ahead. And when that happens for me, it happened to me even this morning in the word with scripture and the Lord gently comes alongside and spurs me on and, and, and desires to tell me about his love and about his strength and about his glory. That's this kind of text today. So I'm excited for you, loved one, as you listen. May this one thing that Paul speaks of capture you and spur you on. Don't give up. Don't give up, all right? God's got so much to do in your life and mine if we continue to rely on his promises. And that's why this ministry exists. All right. Well, let's get right away to God's word and God's message for you, we pray, today. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And here now is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. You know, as a church, we're not immune to resting in the good old days. We're only about six years old, but we've seen a lot of grace. But listen, it's just that. It's grace. We've got to press on. We've got to press on. I'm so thankful for all that God has done. But if we continue to look back in the rearview mirror, it's only a matter of time before we will crash as well. Okay, listen, listen. Uh, have you messed up in the past? Uh, Christ has forgiven you. If you ask him sincerely, are you one of the people who loves to think back in the good old days? Great. Praise the Lord for what he's done. But listen, there's greater things to come. This is what we're learning. This is what we're learning. But my goal then, my goal must be glory. It must be glory. And notice what Paul does on his way to the one thing also. So he forgets what lies behind. Now he says, I strain forward. Now, straining forward is exactly how it sounds. It's extending oneself. It's reaching with all you've got. Here again, the Bible is challenging us to give our all, which means to live the one thing. And so, loved ones, look right here. Look right here. If you're going to live the one thing life, straining forward, this means it's going to hurt. One of the things I got to keep teaching us, because the Bible keeps teaching us, is that in our day, so many people are saying, come follow Christ. Your life will be easy and smooth and everything will be happy, happy, happy. 
and you'll be rich and healthy. No, no, no. I keep telling us, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us again that we are to strain forward. Again, strain is aggressively pursuing. It is reaching, uh, in the original in the Greek, it is a muscle extending to its limit. Have you extended a muscle? You tried to touch your toes recently? It's probably just me, huh? It hurts. It hurts when you don't bend your knees. Straining forward is what we're to do. And again, this is the imagery of running a race and a long race. Now, I am not a runner, uh, praise the Lord, <laughs> especially long distance. Um, but I admire those who do, and I also pray for them because I think they're strange. <laughs> no offense, long distance runners, all right? I do admire you. What we did is, because I can't really speak to this, but we tracked down a marathoner this week and just asked this woman about what it means to run a marathon, specifically the pain involved. And she said this, she said, uh, marathon running is both physical and mental endurance. You reach the point where your legs feel heavy and tired and you can't go because the lactic acid is starting to build up in your muscles. So then you must fuel the body with super concentrated carbohydrates, extra calories and sugar to feed the muscles. Mentally, for a first-time marathoner, this is a 42-kilometer race. The experience is challenging because you don't know exactly what to expect. They don't always know how to properly balance the body's need for fuel, and they can become nauseated. This marathoner says her marathon starts at 35 kilometers when she is fully fatigued, legs heavy, and you think there is nothing left. You're desperate for some nutrition to help you keep going to the finish line. You feel like you could collapse, that your legs could buckle underneath you, and so she gathers herself, she gets into her mental game, and then she pushes herself to the finish line. Do you know how many times you're going to have to do that in the Christian life? Where you're going to feel like your legs are going to buckle underneath you? Where the lactic acid, so to speak, is building up? Where you literally think that your legs feel like jello, and all you got is your God? Loved ones, this is the Christian life. This is the race we run. It's straining forward. And at times, if you picture, and some of you are runners, you know exactly what this means. I don't. But some of you understand, and you know the physical and mental exhaustion that is going on. You and I are to experience some of that as we follow Christ. It's straining forward to what, to what lies ahead. The Bible is telling us. The Bible is telling us that every runner that gives their all and wins will never regret it. Every runner who has run a race and wins does not regret the pain that they endured to get there. Hey, this just in. Do you know Jesus Christ? You win. You win. The pain will be worth it. But here's the thing. You could say, well, if I'm guaranteed to win in Christ, then why don't I just sit back and sit on my lazy boy? Because that's not what genuine Christians do. The Holy Spirit is never content for you to sit in lukewarm, apathetic, complacent behavior. He's never good with that. So if you're sitting on your lazy boy your whole life, that means you're not in Christ. I don't mean to be so blunt, but actually I guess I do. The Holy Spirit in us right now is saying, yes, 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 strain forward, strain forward. This is not legalistic, I must try harder. This is, I want to live for Christ in the one thing. This means I want to love God more. I want to pray to God more. I want to use my life to worship God. That's what it means. It's a heart of devotion. It's a growing sanctification. It's a love for God and a love for others. That's what straining forward is. And that's hard. And it's going to hurt. And we do that when our, goal, when our goal is glory. Again, the Bible is telling us over and over again, set your eye on the prize, go for the goal, don't live for the earth. I mean, how do you argue with verse 14? 
How do you argue with that? Paul's aim, glory in Christ, his goal is glory. You know, someone incorrectly coined the phrase, those who are heavenly minded are of no earthly good. Um, incorrect, okay? That would mean Paul was no good, Abraham, David, I can one on one. Oh, and this guy, ever heard of him? His name's Jesus, okay? That means Jesus was no good. Obviously, that's not true. Those who are heavenly minded are of incredible earthly good because they are being used for that which matters most, You know, I love in verse 14, verse 14, study it, study it. He says, the upward call, the upward call, not the horizontal call, not the backwards call, the upward call, the upward call, the vertical call, the upward call in Christ Jesus. Here's some more evidence. Philippians 3, verse 17 says this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Notice why they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. This is so key with minds set on earthly things. Verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21 is so wonderful, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul is so clear. Our motivation is what lies ahead. Allow me to inspire you with one more biblical passage. Keep a finger in Philippians 3 and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is the hall of faith. This is increasingly one of my most beloved chapters in scripture. Hebrews, just turn right from Philippians. Go over a few books. It's just before James. Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight says, you guys there? I love hearing the pages turn. Bless you. Okay, most of us are there. Hebrews 11, verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Just think of all that Abraham did, okay? All that he was called to do, all that he was used for. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, he did this. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he did that too. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him the same promise. Verse 10, I love so much. For he was looking, why did he do all this? For he was looking forward to the city, to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations by the designer and builder who is God. Look down at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land which from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. In verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And notice it says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What's that city? It's the city of God. What's the city of God? It's heaven. It's glory looking forward to what lies ahead. In Christ, we are strangers and exiles on earth. We are longing for a better heavenly country. Our goal must be glory. 
because the city of God awaits us. Lord, please help us to live it out. And if you're like me, as I was writing this message, then the next things that I wrote down were this, Lord, forgive us our sin. Lord, forgive us for living for that apart from the city. God, forgive us for our selfishness, our pettiness, our greed. Forgive us for our dull hearts. Loved ones, we must refuse to allow our lives to become diluted with the things of the world. I'm a coffee drinker. Diluted coffee tastes like this. Okay? A diluted life with the world has no power, no punch, no strength, no salt, no light. As you dilute your life in the world, it's hard to be salt, it's hard to be light, and extremely hard to know the power and the presence of God. You gotta live the one thing. And to do that, your goal must be glory. Number three, follow my life to be about the one thing. Number three is this, then I must grow up. Then I must grow up. Verse 15 says, that those of us who are mature Think this way. Just think of all that Paul has just explained to us, all the exhortations of the upward call, all the exhortations of forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, the I have not arrived yet uh, exhortation. Then he says, summarizing, that those of us who are mature think this way. Hey, question, are you maturing in Christ? Here's one of the simplest ways you will know right now. Are you thinking according to this text? Are you thinking this way? If you're maturing in Christ, you are like, yeah, Philippians 3, 12 to 16 is awesome. This is so what I, and even if you're not there right now, like even if, if you realize right now through this message that you are living in the world and living for not the one thing, and there is so much compromise in your life, at least if you're maturing in Christ, you are able to admit it, and then you want to repent of it, and then you want to pursue it. That's maturity. Like maturity is not saying, hey, I got it all figured out. Maturity is like, man, I want to go. I want to go for him. And he says, those who are mature will think this way, will think this way. The mature in Christ don't argue with this text. They love it. The mature in Christ don't find excuses for living the one thing. So let's just call some bluffs right now. As you go through your life, as this message is preached, and the Holy Spirit begins to point out change, many of us are starting to rationalize. That's what happens all the time. And we start finding excuses why this is for me and not you. This is why it's for your neighbor and not you, or for your spouse and not you. Incorrect. See, the mature don't rationalize and make excuses. The mature might say, this is very hard, but the mature say, in Christ, I want to do it. The mature in Christ long for growth. The mature in Christ believe in sacrifice. The mature in Christ believe in wholehearted worship. The mature in Christ are just that. They are mature. They are growing up. And the second half of verse 15, Paul is saying, basically saying, if you don't agree with me, just ask God. He will tell you. He will, he will reveal these things also to you. In other words, the more you grow in the word and truth, the more you are convinced about the one thing, life. So here's one of the bottom lines for this series and one of the bottom lines for this whole year. Ready? It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. You know, in verse 16, Paul encourages the whole community. You see verse 16 there? He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. That is an exhortation of encouragement. He's saying, you have made great progress. Keep up the good work. Continue on. Hold true to what you have attained, but don't stop there. Keep going. Uh, keep going. And so it's time for us to grow up to see that there's so much more that can happen in our lives. One of the greatest disappointments is the people who be are an infant Christian year after year after year after year, still having the same arguments, 
still acting in the same ridiculousness, still behaving in the same sinful patterns. What's up with that? Are you going to go to your death never achieving a higher level in Christ? Never growing up from the petty, selfish discussions and arguments about trivial matters? Uh, Never encountering a life of genuine worship and filled with God's spirit? Content to just get a check mark at church. Like, see, see, when I say these things, like my this is this is the thing I despise the most in life, I think, is when I see this happening in my life. Because I keep reading the Bible. And the Bible keeps saying, Go for more. Believe God for more. So here's what's gotta happen. Here's our prayer for this year, man. Get the bottle, throw it away, get out of the crib. All right? Right? It's time to graduate from diapers. It's time to take off the training wheels. It's time to start riding on the strength of God. It's time to grow up. Because those who are mature think this way. And some of you are saying, all right. I pray many of you are saying, all right, how do I do this? I know we are so helped and we have very practical application And so I've written down, you want to start to live the one thing life. I mean, this whole message has been about that, but let's even get more practical. I've written down seven responses, seven responses that you can take to start to live out the one thing life today. And loved ones, when I say these things, they aren't new, but that's the whole point. See, it's the things that never get old, but they're always new because they're in the Lord. And so you've heard this before, but see, you need to hear it every day, as do I. And so we live them out. We don't arrive at these things, but we persevere in them. Uh, Seven responses. Number one, um, you want to live the one thing life? You have to do this. You have to eat the word. You got to eat the word. You got to feed on the word. I know you might have heard that so many times, but listen, it never, ever gets stale. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I think we're going to have a whole message in this series of what it means to feed on the word of God. One thing on my menu, eat the word. Listen, when it comes to God's word, remember this, it goes from duty to desire to delight. And sometimes you'll be in duty and sometimes you'll be in desire and sometimes you'll be in delight. And I love when I'm in delight, but often that doesn't happen. And I gotta come back to duty and to do it because I believe it is right for my soul. Remember, every morning I wake up, I picture when I read the word, I'm taking a spiritual shower with God's word. I am cleansing myself of all the junk in my mind, all the non-truth and the lies and the idolatry of this world in my heart. And I shower myself with God's word to cleanse myself to start my day off in the right light, so to speak. If you're not taking those spiritual showers, man, you're gonna be pretty dirty and you're gonna be pretty cloudy and it's pretty hard to live without the truth of God's word. You wanna start to live the life of one thing, you gotta eat the word. Secondly, you gotta pray for life change. This is probably the most important application. It's prayer. Like, ah, I hear about that. Yeah, prayer, 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 is, prayer is a big deal. This is praying for life change. This is specifically saying, um, God, please grant me hunger to live the life of one thing. God, please um, uh, change my heart to care about this and to love you uh, more than anything else. God, please help me love you more than I love the world. See, one of the challenges for me is that when I sit down and look at this series and I realize what it means for my own life, that's where the conviction begins. I know there's things in my heart and life that have to change. And so what I did last yesterday morning, I get up and 
I'm sitting across the uh, room with Jill and we're just sharing a cup of coffee. I say, Jill, we're in a season of one thing now. And just admitting to her, I just want to admit to you, Jill, that it's going to be easy to save. It's going to be hard to live. But together, I want us to look at how God wants to expose the sin in our lives, what needs to go, what needs to increase, what needs to change. I said, we need to pray about this right now. So we did. God, I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer. I believe with all my heart, but God, I admit it's, it's hard, but I want it. It's right. I believe it. God, do that in my life. See, that's what I had to do with my life. I think you have to do the same with yours. You got to pray for life change specifically. Hey, this Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a prayer meeting in this room. It's going to be praying about this one thing. You need your church family to live this out. You need your God to live this out. You need to be here at Wednesday at 7 p.m. What else is more important? What else can you tell me you're going to be doing which is more important than praying about living the one thing life? Soccer practice? No. No. It's hard, isn't it? Because again, there's so many things we can do and are doing. We're so busy. It's hard, isn't it? But this is where the rubber bits the road. It really is. How bad do I want it? It's not guilt, trust me. It's exhortation to what I believe is right. Eat the word, pray for life change. Number three, need to do this, destroy your idols. Sit down, Lord, reveal to me the idols of my life. It is easy to sit down and say, okay, you know, I'm not into pornography. I'm not addicted to a certain drug. I'm not a gambler. I mean, that stuff's easy to see. But for the majority of us, it's getting down into the other deeper levels of idolatry that easily seeps in. And you got to sit before the Lord and say, what am I missing? You know what a great exercise is to do is? Go to someone that you trust. Go to some of your closest relationship. This takes a lot of courage. And go and say, whether it's your spouse, honey, what are the idols in my life? It takes courage to ask that. Because your spouse might say, oh, I'm glad you asked. Right? <laughs> now, spouses, friends, be gentle. Be gentle. This is a huge act of courage. It takes a tremendous amount of humility to put yourself in that position. Be filled with grace and love. That is a fantastic exercise because we don't see our blind spots. Ask, in fact, that's, that's almost essential today. What are the idols of my heart? And when you know, and when God reveals them to you, kill them. Set them up and smash them. Smash them. For some of you, that will be a literal physical smashing of computers. Of whatever. Destroy your idols. Repentance. Fourthly, do this. Follow strong examples. Follow strong examples. Okay, here's one of the realities of living the one thing life. Many of us are following examples that are just of the world. You become who you follow. You will become who you follow. You're following celebrities, you'll become like a celebrity. You follow some guy at school who's a, a total, a total non-Christ follower. Um, that won't end up well. You will become like that peer, that person. If you're listening to all this bad advice, you will soon take it. Who are you following? And what Paul says, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
Who are your greatest examples? Make sure your greatest examples love Jesus, please. It's so simple, yet often so difficult, and yet often so profound. Choose your examples very carefully. And here's the reality. Young people, this is for all of us. Young people in the room today, many of you are following ridiculous examples. Can you stop it, please? Can you please stop it? Don't you see how dumb you are? Forgive me, forgive me. But don't, don't, can't you see the path where this is heading? Don't you see if you're following some individual who is all about everything of the world and sex and self and sin and idolatry and idol work? Don't you see that's not gonna go well for you? And you might say, I don't care. I pray for you in Jesus' name. I pray your heart will stop being so hard and you will respond to the things of Christ. Don't you see? Listen, wake up. Wake up. God is asking you to wake up. You don't know what's best. God does. His ways are right. Young person, choose your examples. Fifthly, utilize your trials. One of God's greatest methods of growing us up is our trials. This is hard, isn't it? But... It's surrendering. It's stop fighting against what God wants to do in your trials. Embrace the difficulty. I understand how hard that is. I understand. And yet it's so beautiful. Accept his discipline in your life and use it to grow. Uh, six, share the one thing. Sit down with your family, your friends, your roommates, whoever. Share the one thing. Talk about the one thing. Hey, man, one thing I do. When around the church here, we're trying to get the one thing happening all the time. Like with our staff this week, we had a staff lunch, sit down and say, I want one thing to be heard often. One thing, one thing. So we can just look at each other and say one thing. And we said the whole passage in two words. It's a great exhortation. Walk by and say, what's up, bud? One thing, man, one thing. And right there, you've just said, go for the Lord. Go for the Lord. Do that with each other. Hey, listen, here's a, share the one thing. Share the gospel. In this series, seek to share the gospel at least once. Share the gospel of someone who's lost, that Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the world, has, and the love of God has come and has paid the ultimate price of bearing the wrath of God on the cross, and he offers forgiveness to anyone who will believe in him and confess him as Lord and Savior. Share the one thing. This is the only thing worth living for. As we seek to live the one thing, the Holy Spirit loves to share the one thing. Got our evangelism course starting in October. But just followers of Christ love to speak of Christ. Uh, seven, do this. Lastly, prepare to worship. Prepare to worship. Here's what I mean by this. Here's a great idea. Before you come to church every weekend, take one hour and prepare your heart for what God wants to do in your life. Now, for some of us, that's like a big deal. You are making an eight-week commitment here to take one hour before you come to church, not rushing. And this might mean on a Sunday morning, you're coming to nine o'clock service. This might mean you have to get up at 6.30 as opposed to 7.30 or six as opposed to seven or 5.30. But you were saying, I'm committing myself to come prepared to worship my God because my priority is to live the one thing life. You're like, I got a lot of kids. So do I. You just gotta get up earlier than them. That's what you gotta do. I'm committed to not having my house be chaos, 
before we go to church. I'm committed to not fighting with my wife on the way or after. I'm committed. I'm committed to preparing my heart for worship. You know one of the signs you're prepared to worship? You'll be here on time. You're just showing God, God, this is important. And I love gathering with the family of God to worship you. You will prepare to worship. Try doing that during this series and see how God uses that. God changed my life today. You're ready to worship as soon as you come in. That's awesome. Lastly, I had seven already, I know. Lastly is just this. Believe, believe. Believe your life will change. Believe that God is not done with you. Well, amen. Thankful for Pastor Robbie's message today. God is good, isn't he, listeners? Uh, We hope that this series and this message in particular is encouraging you as you continue on in your life following Jesus Christ. But we want you to be aware that there are other messages and other series that we pray would be an encouragement to you as well. And if you'd love to check those out, please make sure you visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull for Robbie Simons, and we invite you back tomorrow to Live in the Light.